I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. It is indeed all about Connor Bedard tonight. We got Bill Daly turning over cards right now. No surprises so far, Corey. Uh, but as we talked about here, this is the, the Connor Bedard draft. I want to ask you as we're going through these picks and they're, and they're turning them over, I can keep chiming in with play by play a little bit here. The hype on Connor Bedard. We've been part of it, talking about it. How do you feel the hype uh, measures up to the reality for the player as he turns over the Buffalo cards? Still no surprises for Drazen. I mean, I think he is one of the very best prospects we've seen as a draft eligible of the last decade. I mean, you're talking about him, you know, right up there with the likes of Austin Matthews, Jack Hughes, Ross Mastelli, and you could argue him ahead of all of them, frankly, at the same age. Uh, and, and I think it'd be perfectly reasonable. You look at his track record, his incredible scoring at the junior level, at the international level, game-breaking skill, game-breaking goal-scoring ability. Uh, doesn't have incredible size. He's a good skater, not an amazing skater. So how it translates to the AHL would make me a little bit hesitant to drop, say, the generational tag on him compared to Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid. I think he's a little bit behind that. Uh, but he's an exceptional prospect. And this is a guy who has the potential to change the trajectory of an AHL franchise's rebuild. I thought it was kind of interesting. And you had a story to that effect this morning. And people almost didn't like the idea that he was like only a Jack Hughes uh, level prospect here. Jack Hughes is a 99 point player this season. Right. And, and Darlene is a Norris Trophy candidate. And Austin Matthews has won an MVP. You know, got, got that I, I think if uh, for a guy who hasn't played an NHL game yet, comparing him to guys who are of either one or are in MVP consideration, life could be a lot worse. Yep, absolutely. Still no surprises here as they turn over the Vancouver, the St. Louis, the Detroit. Everything through the uh, the back half here is going to plan. Uh, so in the top so, eight. So no chaos yet. No chaos yet. None of those teams also, that means none of those teams fell, right? So 
Uh, if you were a fan of, of one of those teams, you have you did not lose in the draft order. I know Red Wings fans are pretty touchy about that. Capitals in, same deal there. So uh, it will be one of the bottom seven teams. I think that's probably about the cutoff, right? Like I, I know by the end, Washington and Detroit were in that jockeying lane, but these are the seven for most of the year that we're really in this thing. And some of them who've kind of actively wanted to be in that lane. Very much so, yes. Uh, not sure exactly. It probably depends who you talk to on whether Philadelphia was in or out of that. I think based on their coaching hire, you can say they, they were not looking to be part of this. Uh, and they do not get Connor Bedard as their card turns over here by Bill Daly. Uh, so the tankathon for one of these teams was going to be a success. But that team will not be Arizona. They slot in at number six here. So this is uh, this is getting pretty good here, Corey. Yeah, and I mean, and we're going to see now uh, where both not only Bedard, but potentially Adam Fantilio, Leo Carlson end up in, in both of those guys. Particularly Fantilio, I think, is a guy who could have been a, a number one overall pick consideration in a number of recent drafts. No back-to-back on the lottery for Montreal. They come in at number five. That's going to be a fascinating pick. I think uh, that's really one of the points in this draft where the no-brainers have we, we anticipate will have gone uh, unless there's a huge shakeup. So that's a really interesting point in this draft. Three out of the four remaining are in the Western Conference uh, for those people who want to. And we haven't seen a first overall pick in the West in quite a long time. That's right. Uh, San Jose off the board next. So uh, the bottom three, it's going to be two of the bottom three that get these spots. Anaheim, Columbus, Chicago remain on the board. Uh, And I think we can probably say those are the teams that chase this the hardest. So, uh, you know, I I think uh, mission accomplished there, I guess. (laughs) That's what we want to say. I think Chicago was probably the most active. I think Anaheim, I don't know if they were that blatant. I mean, they signed, you know, John Klingberg That's in the true. season. They tr- signed Ryan Strong. I feel like sh- this was the Chicago plan. This and season. you know what? Was- not fair of me to say Columbus. They signed Johnny Gaudreau. This stuff. That's that's not fair of me to say that they were they were chasing. Right. It just really went poor between poor play of various players, injuries, um, you know, some guys who just underperformed in general. It was it was a tough season for the Blue Jackets, and it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what they the player they get and how that changes the trajectory. Because you you got to imagine the Kekalainen regime. There's pressure on them to win now, given uh, the events of last season. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I, I've got it on mute here. Someone just told me Kevin Weeks just maybe potentially spoiled it, so I guess we should have had the volume on to uh, to hear whatever was said. But I, hey, I guess that's good for us because. Uh, we still got some stream left here to go. Uh, let's ask this. Connor Bedard, there's a kind of a positional question here. If he's a center or a wing. Now that we know who the top uh, three teams are, which of these teams is he a center for you on? I think on Chicago, he absolutely has to be tried at center. They have no depth of that position at all in their organization. And especially with Jonathan Tays uh, leaving next season. Anaheim and Columbus is a little more tricky, particularly Anaheim, where you have Mason McTavish and Trevor Zegers, both outstanding young players there who can play the middle. Uh, Columbus is maybe more of a 50-50. I think you have Ken Johnson, who is a quote-unquote center. I think a lot of people envision him as a long-term wing in the NHL. You have Cole Sillinger, who is, I think, an NHL center, but had a really tough season uh, in, in the second full-year pro, but still a really young player, we think. Over, over the long haul, he's going to be a, a pretty good pro center. Uh, so I think those are those would be the tension points there. Is Are you using Johnson in the middle? Or are you using Bedard in the middle? If I had to choose between the two, I would lean towards Bedard. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot uh, to be said for that. Zegris, I think, to me, and in and, and Anaheim is the interesting question of what you do I agree. with that one. Because he's played center. I think you can argue he's better on the wing. I think you can make the same argument for Bedard. So then it's about, okay, what are you going to you know fall back on there? 
Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think you know Zegris is bigger, uh, but doesn't skate quite as well. Bedard. I don't think Bedard's blazing fast, but he's a better skater. And I would say his uh, off the puck play has a little bit more you know detail in it uh, than Zegris does. But uh, there is a size differential there, and there's the fact that frankly Zegris has been a successful pro center. Uh, those are all points in his favor. And you know when Jack Hughes, uh, who is a much better skater than Bedard, but doesn't have quite the offensive skills. Turned pro in his first season. They tried. They played, you know, a lot on the wing. Maybe we see that in a tr- an eventual transition to center. But I, I think it'll depend on the organization. I also do think if, if you're a team that's drafting Connor Bedard, you're probably giving him quite a bit of say into this too, right? Like I think if, if you're gonna, this guy's gonna be your franchise, uh, the face of the franchise for at least the next few years. Got to prove it still. But uh, I think you give him some input into this decision if that's where he's right. comfortable. You know, for Columbus now, we'll see where they end up in terms of the one, two, three. But let's say they get one of Bedard or Fantilli now. How does that change the organization going forward in the most immediate future right now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is organization that the wants to try to win, whether they actually will win next season, we'll see, but you know, with a healthy Rowenski, you know, hopefully some steps up from the young guys. If you all add Bedard, you add Fantilli to that roster. I think you're hoping that things progress towards a playoff contention. Yeah. I think uh, with, with Columbus, I almost think I've, I've kind of in my head had Fantilli as just a, a I know they're looking for Bedard, but Fantilli is such a perfect fit. They're knowing how hard they've been chasing uh, these centers forever. I also just think it would be very funny for all these Michigan guys to keep ending up in Columbus between Orensky, Kent Johnson, uh, and and potentially Fantilli. But here we go. We're back on the broadcast. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if the universe has the same sense of humor that I do as we look at the board there. I'm gonna do the dramatic pause here because I think this one's a big, a big moment <laughs> here. Who gets number three? It is Columbus. So I think that is what uh, Kevin Weeks tipped going into the commercial. So this is a very interesting spot for Columbus now because they are going to be at the spot in the draft, we presume, where they're picking between Leo Carlson and, and Mave Mitchkoff. And that is going to be maybe the most scrutinized decision in the draft. And, and I think Will Smith is in that consideration when you talk to a lot of NHL personnel. Yeah, and he's coming off the huge tournament, obviously, for good reason. Uh, there you look at Pat Verbeek and Kyle Davidson. Davidson first year GM too, two first year GMs there that we're looking at. Uh, yeah, no, and obviously you know the two and in terms of just you know the way Chicago's approached this now, it's interesting seeing that they've. I guess you've been. I, I don't think a lot of fans probably didn't want to see this outcome because it, such a blatant wow. rebuild resulted in that. It is the Chicago Blackhawks at number one overall. That is fascinating. I mean, this is going to be a lightning rod story, obviously for people. Uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks, I think you made the point in your article this morning. Connor Bedard has a lot of Patrick Kane-like qualities. Patrick Kane goes out. New Patrick Kane potentially comes in. I agree with you. I think you have to try him at center. Uh, but they know as well as anyone what this skill set realistically can look like on the wing and that it is possible to have this guy on, your, on the wing for your franchise. Right. And yeah, and I think there are some some deviations between the two players, whereas I think Bedard is, is more of a shooter and you know, doesn't have maybe the vision and the hockey sense that, that Kane does. Few players who've played the game, frankly, have ever had that. But in terms of the, the frame, good, not amazing skaters, but just exceptional offensive abilities, exceptional on the power play. Um, a, guy, a guy who you think if he hits, um, and you, know, you don't want to put a guarantee on a 70-year-old, but if he hits, you're thinking of a guy who could be a 70, 80, 90-point guy in the National Hockey League. And I think that's what you're hoping. Now, what's really interesting with Chicago is, okay, this was – the first part of the teardown. Now what's part two? You're going to have Bedard. He's going to be in the lineup next season. 
what does your lineup look around him now? Because it can't be the guys you, you put out there towards the end of last season. I'm not saying they're going to you know bring in a bunch of talent and, and be pushing towards the playoffs. I think that's unrealistic given the, the absolute disastrous state of their roster right now. But I think you've got to try and at least give him some guys to play with, right? Yes, and I so they're going to have one of the most interesting uh, secondary assets here. They've got another pick that I think is, is officially in the top 20, could go up another spot uh, if the Panthers finish off the Leafs. That's a pick that now you have this question of, do you try to draft a running mate for Connor Bedard, or do you try to move it for immediate help so that he comes into as good of a day one situation as possible? Right, and and they have, you know, like I said, I think Lucas Reichel will be up. He'll yep. be, I think, a good player for them next season. And, you know, I I... I was pretty confident Kevin Korczynski was going to go back to Seattle. Now I'm not 100% sure because if they do add around Bedard a little bit, I think that makes that situation a little bit more interesting to bring Korczynski in, who has looked outstanding in the Western Hockey League this season. Um, so, like I said, I mean, depending where you center of the wing, depending who you play on the line with, uh, I think if you're Chicago, the fact that you just won this lottery, not only are you just ecstatic because you added a potential NHL talent to your roster, uh, but I think now you have to think about what what's the next stages of building around Connor Bedard and what how does that change our offseason? Man, I can't help but wonder. Chicago preactively put out that statement before Jonathan Taves' last home game that it was, you know, they weren't going to re-sign him. Man, I wonder if there's any regret there because there it would be a pretty appealing situation to have him walk into a Taves-led locker room. And now you've seemingly publicly already closed this door. I think that would have been a tremendous thing for Connor Bedard. I, th- I think it would have been too, but obviously, you know, Tay's situation has been so for complicated sure. there the, the last few years. Um, moving to like Anaheim now, let's, you know, I don't think the number two pick is a guaranteed NFL until I think there are some scouts that you can talk to that would lean Leo Carlson. Some would even lean towards Will Smith uh, or Matvey Mitchkov. But I think almost, uh, not almost, I would say the significant majority of those I talked to think that is the second best player. So let's talk about what NFL until looks like in the Ducks uniform right now because i think now we talk about that that center wing dynamic uh you know i think adam fantilli centering trevor zegras is a very realistic possibility in five years from now or possibly even next season yes it is and i think that you know fantilli is a guy who maybe he's not going to have day one like 60 70 point maddie Beniers type season but he had a better college season than maddie Beniers' platform here into the nhl it would not shock me uh, if he can get above 20 goals, if he can play a real role, a two-way role for that team right away. He's a little younger. Beneers had that buffer of playing two years of college going in. It would not shock me if he can step in and be a really good player right away. I mean, he's the best college player we've seen since Jack Eichel, arguably a better college player than Jack Eichel. And Jack Eichel had 56 points in his first NHL season. I don't think that's an unrealistic number to put on Fantilli. And like I said, now I think... You have him, you have Trevor Ziggs, you have Mason McTavish. Jamie Drysdale hopefully is healthy next season. He comes, he comes back into the lineup. We'll see what they do with Pavel Minchikov. I guess he needs one more year out inside the NHL. But, I mean, I think this now becomes in, in Anaheim, which is an organization that needs to build through the draft. Uh, I think now you have what's taken a few years is now you have a real foundation here that you can envision a contending team coming out of. You do. And you have most of the big pieces that, that teams really start to covet. You have the, you know, honestly, forget two top six centers. You really have three and you're going to have the luxury of flexing one out to the wing. You're going to have, in addition to. Or um, not. Maybe, maybe maybe it's like a Stalton. They're not the same caliber players, but, you know, the, the Crossy Malkin, you know, stall dynamic that Pittsburgh had. 
Yes, that's true. You could do that as well. And hey, there's nothing wrong with that. As we saw, I think Mason McTavish would be tremendously suited for something like that. He could probably eat teams alive in that role, in fact. Uh, and on the blue line, you have this like really quietly strong. You mentioned Pavel Minchikov. I really like this player. I think he's super dynamic. They've already got Jamie Drysdale in the mix and Olin Zellberger. We're going to see what happens there. It's a lot of offensively kind of inclined players that we're talking about there. But all of a sudden, this is one of the more desirable situations in the NHL. Yeah, and I think this is a this is a young core. Maybe not next year or even the year after, but I think this is a core that can, you know, kind of grow together into a winner eventually. You talked about Anaheim's a team that needs to build in the draft. Historically, I think that is true. Does having what we just talked about though, this core of all these young players, it's obviously you don't need to sell anybody on the, the climate of of Southern California here. Does it make them a more attractive free agent destination than we've seen in the past? Yeah, yeah, I think so because now you're starting to talk about you know a long term deals with guys and they can step in and, and play with Anfantili, play with Trevor Zegers, play with guys they think can get them the puck and, and and make plays and and be part of a winning organization. I'm not saying that's happening next season, but I think there's a there's a lot of good pieces there, and it's not just the guys we named. I think there's there's they have a pretty solid farm system. We'll see how guys like say Jackson McComb does next season. Uh, in in Anaheim, but I, I think there, like I said, there's there's reason for excitement. We'll see how next season goes for Fantilli, for Zegers, for McTavish. But I, I think a lot of positives for that organization right now. Right before the big news dropped, I had just said that I think that the Columbus pick is going to be one of the most scrutinized in this draft. Do you want to get into that right here? If we assume that one two goes the way we fall, uh, sizing up uh, Leo Carlson, Mavi Mitchkov, and, and I think like you said, Will Smith in that mix too. Discussion. Yeah, I, I I would be surprised if they took Mitch Cobb. It would they would need such assurances from their ownership that you have the job security to see this through to the end. And I and you know how deep are we into Yarmo Kekalainen's tenure right now? I just especially if it's not in Goudreau, like I would be surprised if they took Mitch Cobb. Like it's and I think as a player, it's an interesting discussion, and we're going to be having this discussion a lot, uh, you know, in our articles and our podcast going forward is I can talk to so many NHL people who in the same breath will say Mitchkov is as good a prospect as Adam Fantilli or better as a hockey player. And then two seconds later say, and there's no way we're taking him. And <laughs> it's, and it's, it's going to be a really interesting discussion going forward these next two months. And frankly, these next three years, depending on, on where he lands and, and reassessing it. And does it work? Does it not work? I mean, we've seen Russian players sign, Plenty of them signed this summer. We've seen Russian players extend. Carolina's waiting forever on Alexander Nikishin, for example, who would be one of the best players in their lineup right now if he was on their team. Uh, and, you know, you harken back to, say, the 2010 draft where guys like Vladimir Tarasenko, Genny Kuznetsov, consensus top five, 10 guys slid to 16 and something like 28, I remember, overall. So it, and that didn't age well. But, but those are, you know, such an interesting dynamic. But yeah, I just, in terms of Columbus, I, I don't, if I was doing a mock draft right now, and we will be doing a mock draft at the Athletic in the, over the, in the next few hours here, uh, I, I, I would be surprised if Columbus took that shot. Yeah. I mean, we talked about, right? Like, you know, they, they were a team that went out last offseason and signed Johnny Gaudreau. Usually when you, when you sign a contract like that, you're hoping to derive the value, the main value of it in those first four or five years before the player gets too deep into the 30s. You're t- you've already blown that if you wait the three years for Mitchkov, assuming you know there's no you know outside situation that's able to get that and, contract and, terminated. And that is absolutely an argument I hear in his favor from people who say just go do it. You know he'll develop in the KHL, you'll get him in the ELC at 21 years old. Um, it's and, but I get the alternative argument. Like 
I think he's a better player than Leo Carlson and Will Smith. I think actually he's a much better player. But Leo Carlson and Will Smith are extremely good hockey players. Those are guys that would be standard second, third overall picks in any given draft. And those are guys who I think could be star, has may have potential to be stars in the league. I'm not saying they will, but they have the potential. And those are really hard players to say no to when you know for a fact they will be in your lineup into the next two years. And probably within the next three years, they're helping you win hockey games. So how likely, I guess, then do you think it is that when we're looking at Mavi Michkov on draft day, that we're hearing his name called more in the back half of the top 10 than in this top three, where it seems like most would rank him? Yeah, I think that is the more likely outcome just from my dis- early discussion. Really, you know, we've been waiting for a draft order to get a real idea, you know, with mock draft season in terms of where guys could really slot. Um, but I think six to 10, six to 12, I think that is a more realistic range for Mitch Kov right now. If I was doing a mock draft, then, then where I think he belongs on talent, just because I think people are going to prefer Carlson, they're going to prefer Smith just because there's there's such great players. I think they might even prefer guys like David Reinbacher. I think he has a ton of love in the league. And as a guy who projects, projects as a top pair defenseman, played very well versus men this year. We'll see how his world championships and Smith's and uh, not Smith's, Carlson and Fantilli's go. Uh, could change their stock as well and give you more assurances or, frankly, reasons to not take them. But uh, I, I think, you know, like I said, I think what those top four guys, I think, are pretty strong bets, in my opinion, to go ahead of Mitchkov as it stands right now. So who who else do you think could we see if if he does slide into six or later, who else could jump up? I mean, I know there was some Dalbor Dvorsky love coming out of the world U18s. Obviously, usually you see a defenseman somewhere in the top, if not top five, right. at least top seven. Right. I, I think Ryan Bacher's got at least a 50-50 chance to go ahead of him. Okay. And there's a couple teams there that I think that would make sense for, right? Yeah. Like I I think that gets to a certain point. I get the Ryan Bacher argument. I would even I would have issues with Dvorsky personally, but but I understand. The center arguments, you everyone loves centers. I think there gets to a certain point of ridiculousness when you start talking about guys like Colby Barlow or Matthew Wood or 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 Ryan Leonard or Gabe Perot and even Dvorsky, I think, is in there. Like where like the talent delta is just so gigantic at that point. And you're talking about guys who realistically project as like second line wingers. And and I, th- I think at some point you're gonna force the team's hand too much. And I'm sure there'll be like an owner listening to the draft meetings and hearing what you project one guy as and project the second guy as. And, 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 and I think that the decision becomes inevitable, even if it's uncomfortable. And that's what we've talked about through this whole process on the, on the hockey show, right? Or prospect series show is, is that, you know, it, it's going to be about the owner as much as anything else here. It's going to be about the tolerance, the patience of the owner, the risk tolerance of the owner, and really the security of the general manager. Yeah. I think not all, but most hockey people I talk to agree he is a top five minimum and arguably top three or two talent in this draft. Not every hockey person I talk to says that, but most, not a significant majority of them will say that. Um, but but that is not who is making these decisions. It is management and it is ownership. To the viewers, if anybody's got uh, questions, you can feel free to drop them in the comments. Right now, I'm just seeing a lot of uh, frustration. Uh, whether it was deserved or or not for the Chicago Blackhawks to win this one, uh, but you know what? This is the, that is the, the games you play when when you have a lottery. And so Chicago does come out with Connor Bedard. We're happy to take a couple of questions. We got a few minutes uh, left here before Corey and I got to run and get to work on our uh, staff mock draft. Corey, anything else you want to hit before we fully turn it over to the questions? I'm just I'm just excited we have a draft order. This has to be one of the uh, shortest runways we've had between the draft lottery and the actual draft. 
uh, since I've been doing this. I think it's just about seven weeks now until draft day. Um, so I'm just excited that we actually know what's going to happen now or have a vague idea what's going to happen on draft day and can start uh, talking about uh, the rest of the prospects. Very different than it was uh, in 2020 when it felt like the longest run up to a draft. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm well aware. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm not seeing anything really pop in here. So maybe that's our cue uh, to sign off. We really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in with us tonight uh, and watching uh, maybe history. We'll see unfold. You can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com. Uh, and obviously, uh, you can follow us here uh, for The Athletic Hockey Show and more from the Prospect Series. Thanks, everybody.